0: Most of us, I don't know about you, expect our horses to be our stress reliever, right? That's, that's, we're coming in and going, oh, well, there, this is how I stress manage. And it's still how I stress manage. Like riding is a big part of how I manage my stress, but my horse is not responsible for my stress. Our partnership together.
1: Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses.
0: Hey, Camry. Good afternoon. How's your week been? Do I answer
1: this honestly? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> no, uh, well, we were just talking about uh, Shark Week, which is what I call your period. <laughs> um, And how it was a rough one for me this week. So that part was rough, but no, it's been pretty good. My horses are doing pretty well and, and my kids are doing great. And we just had Pioneer Day, which is Utah's holiday on July 24th. And that was fun. We went to the parade and watched fireworks and had a pool party at our house and so it was good it was good
0: that sounds like fun I forgot about pioneer day and you texted me I'm like why would I be doing anything today oh, yeah. <laughs> because you're know. Idahoan now <laughs> yeah I'm just cooler now let's be honest no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I kind of missed the the July activities in Utah, especially like in Utah County. Man, the parade and everything that they do for the 4th was so fun and then it's just like you get a whole month of just celebrating and fireworks and I do miss that. We didn't do anything fun here for either of the holidays. <laughs> no fireworks for you, Michaela? <laughs> no, they were like all forms of firework, fireworks were banned in Idaho this year. Um. So the only ones we did see, you know, were the neighbors who were like we can we can do this it's fine <laughs> Let's break the ball. as we're all like oh don't set that stack of bales on fire <laughs> it just like stresses me out I'm not a big fireworks fan to be honest it's actually like a fear of mine I hate fireworks so the fireworks are not my favorite thing but I do love the parades and I do love the activities and the barbecues and all those kind of things
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of horse owners and animal
0: owners that just don't like fireworks. So, No, it's true. I was peeking out the window all evening, like, are my horses still there? Are they okay? They do not get bugged by the fireworks, Though I'm very lucky. They're just like, whatever.
1: Yeah, our horses don't get too bothered by them either, but that's because we have a lot of fields around us, and our neighbors don't light off fireworks, so it's just you know, a couple miles down the road, there are fireworks. So that's nice though. It's more like thunder, you know, it's not like right over their heads. So that's kind of nice.
0: No, for sure. They were, um, when we were in Utah in in the Redmond area, they had huge fireworks going on like right by our paddock <laughs> and it would definitely get the horses running around and create some dust, but they did pretty well even then as well. Just got a little bit antsy, but other than that, did pretty good yeah so I've got something that was really exciting last week to share do tell do tell Camry says this like I haven't already told her this like (laughs) given her the blow by blow but (laughs) for everyone else who doesn't talk to me on a daily basis um I was it was super fun on Sunday I went for a ride with my dad and I didn't realize it till Sunday but he and I have never ridden together before And I'm, we're just kind of going along like, wait, dad, like, I don't really remember ever going on a ride with you before. Is this our first one? He's like, yeah. He's like, this is our first one. And he's like, I haven't ridden since before you were born. And I'm like, (laughs) wow. So that was, it was really fun. And it was just a nice way to connect with my dad. But on top of that, I rode my Mustang, which some people, if you've been following us for a while, kind of know I've had a little bit of anxiety around my Mustang for some weird reason, because my Mustang is just a super nice, sweet horse and has never done anything wrong. But for some reason, he's been setting my anxiety up the last little bit. And so uh, my dad asked to go riding with me and I wasn't going to say no. So I was like, all right, I'll put you on Sandy and I'll ride Comanche. We'll see how this goes. And Comanche was, of course, great. He had no issues. (laughs) And it's just that like, Why? Like, what is this that I was so stressed about writing you this whole entire time? And it was no big deal because he did. He did good. I mean, he's definitely still green, but he's just a champ. He did really well. So that that was my exciting stuff this week. It was really fun. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you for riding Comanche. Hey, (laughs) me too. You and I texted a few other friends, too, who know I've been having anxiety about him. I was pretty happy. Just, it was just nice and a nice way to kind of like break that ice and be like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this and it'll be fine. And I feel like it goes right into what we're going to be talking about today too. Cause I followed this, this list. So, um, I listened to a podcast. So guys, I really recommend this podcast. If you have fear of horses or anxiety, and you're not really sure why this gal, um, her name's Felicity Davies, Um, I think it's Davies. It might be Davis, but anyways, we'll link to it. She does a podcast called The Equestrian Perspective, um, and she does some coaching um, that is all around breaking through your fear of horses, like specifically if you don't know why you're scared, like if all of a sudden you're just scared and you are like, well, what the heck? Like, I've been fine. I was fine yesterday. Why am I all of a sudden scared? Um, She does a really good job of kind of walking you through that, Um, and I did one of her courses probably I want to say like two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, and I just really enjoy her. Um, She is a dressage, high-level dressage um, rider in Australia, Um, so knows her stuff when it comes to horses as well, but then does some really good mindset work and, um, and trauma work around fear with horses. So anyways, I was listening to one of her podcasts last week, and she just talked about, you know, like. Part of working through your fear is also making sure you're setting yourself up for success. And part of that is creating a pre-ride checklist, like where your horse needs to be before you ever commit to actually getting on. And Camry and I have talked quite a bit about something similar, like, you know, where horses can have about seven layers where they're probably dealing with about five different things. And when they do blow, it's because they went over that tipping point, right? Where they they are already holding on to whatever baggage was up before the point of of blowing up or having, a, having their own little episode. Um, and I feel like this way is a good way to just check your horse and make sure your horse is in a good place and make sure you're setting yourself up for success that way. And then I went a little bit of a step farther and made a pre-ride checklist for myself as well. And one that I want to make sure that I'm hitting these specific areas before I commit to getting on the horse and before I commit to having the horse deal with me, I guess. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to, I'm excited to share our different lists with you, but Cameron, do you have anything you want to add?
1: No, I think you got it covered. I think a lot of times as humans, we tend to shove that stuff down and let our ego just be like, just swing a leg over. Like, just get on the horse already. (laughs) And a lot of times we swing a leg over before we really should, whether it be us or our horse that's just not ready or has some things that are off or, you know, there are other things that we need to refresh or go over in their training before we get on. Um, So many different reasons. But yeah, we tend to just, I'm not scared, like buck up, you know, do it. (laughs) Which like sometimes we do need to challenge ourselves and, and buck up a little bit, but sometimes that that fear or that anxiety that creeps up when you're about to get on your horse, it's there for a reason. And and you should maybe listen to that. So.
0: Oh, hundred percent. And we've talked a little bit about it in some previous episodes again, but I've just been in that same journey or that, that journey with myself the last year or so where my anxiety has gone way up. I do have like some fears that have creeped up that really no rhyme or reason to them, right? Like, I'm like, I don't know why all of a sudden I'm scared of riding my horse that I ride every day. Um, and it's something I've worked really hard on overcoming and, and trying to make it so I'm comfortable, but also that I'm being fair to my horses. And this was something I really, as I made my list, my re- my pre-ride checklist, just really thinking back to some of those situations where I did force myself to get on or I did force a situation where looking back, it's like, yeah, it ended okay. Like no one got hurt, but I didn't feel fulfilled by that ride. I didn't feel better after that ride. I felt like, oh my gosh, like why the heck do I have horses after that ride? And it was because all of these things, or at least one of these things, was out of alignment during that time. So do you should I just share my list and we can kind of talk about that? And then you can share your list. Does that sound good? Yeah. Cool. So um for me, as I think back at different situations, like I've had with Sandy over the last year, that's kind of why I made, made this list. Um, so for my horse, the four important things, and I wouldn't give you more, like, I would say, let's keep it to like three or four things. I think just because I feel like that's going to be an easier direction to just keep in your mind as you're riding. So you don't have this list of a hundred things going out. Um, So I chose to keep it fairly short because I wanted it to be something that every time I showed up with my horse, it would just be in my brain of like, okay, she needs to be able to do these things. Right. So the first one is easy to catch. And for me, that means like, I'm not going out and spending 10 or 15 minutes chasing her around the paddock. Like, I want to be able to walk up to her and have her calmly go, okay, sure, you can catch me, right? And and me being able to put the halter on without any fuss, she's not flipping her head around, she's not trying to walk away from me. That's what easy to catch looks like to me. I've had some scenarios, not with Sandy, but with some other horses where it's like, it took me 20 minutes to catch them because they're running around and running away from me. And by the time I get them caught, I'm just mad. And that's something that it's like, you know what? So if the, if they're doing that, then that's what the session needs to be about. Like you need to throw away the the goals of the rest of the session. The goal needs to become, well, we're just going to catch today. And we're going to make this the thing. Um, so that's my first one. Do you have anything to go on that, Camry?
1: Yeah, um, that's one of the first things I work on with any horse um, that comes into my training program, whether it's a colt, a tune-up, uh, an older horse, it doesn't matter. Because number one, you save yourself time in the long run to have a horse that is easy to catch instead of having to spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes of each session every day while that horse is in training trying to catch it. Um, but it also just, it's, it sets up the intention for the whole rest of the session. You know, if you have this, you know, you had to pin them in a corner um, and you had to chase them to get them to be caught, that sets the tone for the rest of your session. And the session is going to be more of you making them do what you want and less of them being in tune with you and having their brain with you. Because that's what catching is, is I want them to catch me. You know, I want their brain to be with me. And that's what being easy to catch means is, you know, they're with you. They're ready to go. And if they're not, then like you said, you need to work on that. So,
0: yeah, I agree. And I think it, it shows you a lot about where your horse is at too. Um, and cause I don't know, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but to me, a horse is one of the best mirrors of yourself that you can have. And if your horse is coming in and the moment you step into the field, it's, it's high energy. It, it kind of blows up. It's running around. That's probably a pretty good mirror of where you're at too, in, in my mind. And so there's Two levels of that that need to be addressed as well, which is why I made a pre checklist for for me personally too. Um, but yeah, so the second one on my list is leads easily and calmly. So after you catch, they need to be able to lead nicely. Like I know, give a couple of different um, examples here. My Mustang, he's still working on you know, that pressure of the lead rope, he will plant his feet and not come. And it feels like you're dragging him down the road. So that is something we are working on is no, come on. Like when you feel this pressure, this is what pressure means. And, um, that becomes our sessions most of the time is that is, that is what we work on as I catch him. And then we work on leading nicely. And what does that mean? and, And going back and forth. So can look in a couple of ways. So one, like not having to drag them behind you, but then two, not getting dragged by them, either they you know they need to be in a space where i like them to either be right beside me like for me i don't like their head to cross my my body but i'm okay if their heads by my body or i want them just slightly behind me and you know head down they're walking calmly and nicely they're not uh, head up in the air looking around whinnying at everything and prancing around me right like that that would be another sign that we need to address things and Again, I say these because these are situations that I've been in in just the last like six months, where I'm like, oh, I probably should have worked on that instead of like just pushed through it and continued into my routine of like, well, let's just get saddled and get on and just, just get get through this, right? Um. So yeah, any any comments on that one, Camry?
1: Yeah, a good reminder with that is your session starts when you walk in your horse's pen. It doesn't start when you get your horse to the tack area, to your tack shed, to your trailer. Um, it's That's where, we, like you were just talking about, people take their horse from point A to B. They take them from their stall or their paddock or pasture, and then they lead them regardless of how good or not good they're leading. And then they get them to the saddle area, they tack them up, and then they get them in the arena. And then they're like, okay, now my brain is in trainer mode. And you're like, well... Training started about 20 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, like what did you just teach that horse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just remember that your training session starts as soon as you walk in there before you even catch your horse um, and because one of the least safe places you can be when you're leading a horse is with a horse that has no concept that you are even there and they're insanely distracted or fearful because that's when they're standing a foot from you and then they're staring at this thing over there that's scary, they're going to run right through you if that thing scares them badly enough. Um, So that's why, you know, being dragged or them dragging behind, that means their brain is not with you. And if it's not with you, that's the first thing you need to work on is getting their brain with you. So I explain it as wandering the alphabet when you do leading is instead of just point A to point B, you're going to go A to B to C D E. You're going to do the whole alphabet, and you might take a mile of walking and changing directions and going to different points to get 50 feet, just because you're going to be constantly changing directions, getting your horse's brain with you. Um, and that's just one technique, but it's it's always again we work on catching first, and then leading and boundaries, um, because those are those are some. Three really, really big things <laughs> that you need to be safe on the ground with your horse. So.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, the third thing on my list is not fussing when I'm grooming them or picking up their feet. So what that means is, you know, they've already led calmly. They've already been easy to catch. And now I'm to the point where I'm getting them ready to saddle, right? So I'm, I'm doing my grooming session and I don't want them prancing and swinging their bodies back and forth as I'm brushing them. If they're doing that, again, that's gonna be a sign that okay, we need to focus on this area for a bit. Um, and then with their feet, like I want them to be able to easily hand me their feet. They're not they're not, you know, making me really, really work hard and sweat to pick up their foot. And then they're not, you know, either striking out or kicking out with their feet when I do get it up in the air, right? Um, and they're able to stand on all three feet while I pick out their feet and they're not picking it up and stomping it right back down. And I can't even get through a picking, you know, like two seconds of picking. Um, Again, these are things that I have rushed through, you know, just even this year in some situations that have come up and I'm like, oh yeah, like I really should focus on this and slow down a minute and focus on this. And it's really easy with all of these things because Like I talk about being in a high anxiety state. When I'm in that high anxiety state, I am rushing through this stuff because it's like, oh, if I can just really quickly get to this point, I'll be okay. And it's really easy to overlook these things and to slow down and take that breath and go, okay, I can see you're struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Let's take a second and let's just focus on this today and throwing that ego out the window. Um, Because it is hard when you are fearful, when you are stressed, when your confidence is down that's when it's really easy to rush through these things. And that's why I've made this list is like to to help myself, remind myself like, no, I'm not going to rush through these. Like these are important things.
1: Yeah. And it it really is so hard because this stuff seems so boring to most of us, right? This is the stuff we just want to get through so that we can go and do the fun stuff. (laughs) But the fun stuff starts becoming frustrating when our whole session goes the same way our pre-session went right um so if your horse is distracted not paying attention to you then by the time you get on them and you really want to start working on lead changes or half passing or you know whatever it is you want to work on or barrels or or whatnot then all of a sudden you wonder why is my horse so distracted and why won't they listen well they were telling you that the whole time you were getting them ready (laughs) but it is it's so hard because we we just want to go through the boring stuff so we can work on the fun stuff but to make it fun you have to get your horse mentally with you first, so.
0: 100%, and I don't know about you, but I tend to get a little bit more anxious, nervous on the ground than I do on the horse, because, like, I am very confident in my seat and my ability to ride and my ability to handle horses when I'm on them, so when when I get the most anxious is on the ground. So it is with this, with these things. So that's why I do rush through these things because it's like, once I get on, I know I can handle whatever you you're going to throw at me. Like, it's going to be fine. And that's my safe place. (laughs) But by doing that, I'm also making my safe place more difficult, right? Like instead of it being safe, like actually truly safe and calm, I am going to, I am making it by ignoring these things. I am making it something that is going to be difficult like it is something I'm gonna have to work on and it is something that is eventually and it did create a feeling of unsafeness like that's why I got my anxiety of like oh, I just don't know if I can ride this horse I don't know if I can do this it's because I was ignoring all of these things and rushing through them and pushing it down and going no it's fine I'll just get through this really fast and and we'll be fine um so that all kind of leads into that fourth thing so when you're finally there to saddle for me the horse is standing calmly to saddle and that's something that we've definitely talked about in previous episodes is my journey with Sandy just over the last what has it been like 11 months 10 months maybe um where she was really struggling to stand calmly to be saddled and I was really struggling with it as well and she would swing her body and it would just make me really really stressed and really really anxious and put me in a state where I was self-judging myself and getting really frustrated with her and um learned how to set some boundaries with that area with her but now she stands calmly like she doesn't even try to move away from me and I can't believe like I'm to this point with her because I never thought I'd get to this point where I could saddle her without her like moving away from the saddle or trying to dodge the saddle or turning around and nipping you know because that's what she was doing before um but by taking that step back and by taking that time to really focus on this area that she and I were both struggling with. That's why we're to the point we are now where she finally does do that. But because I wasn't doing that before, (laughs) that's why my anxiety was so high for so many months. And that's why, you know, by the time I did get on her, she was mad at me and I was mad at her and we were both stressed out. So that's, that's number four. Cause then if they're doing all of those things, then okay. Like you're, you're safe to get on. And all of these things too are signs that your horse mentally is there. Kind of like Camry was saying, it's, it's signs that your horse is with you, that your horse is ready for the movements that you're going to do. And if there, if any of these one points, any one of these, not all four of these, any one of these isn't spot on, you really shouldn't be getting on your horse. You need to spend whatever it takes to get them calm in any one of those areas.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of the things on my list are similar to yours, just worded a bit differently. (laughs) Um, So some of the first things for me with horses before I'm going to get on is I want to make sure that they're relaxed. Um, Relaxation is a huge thing for me, and I will not back an anxious horse. I just won't. It's not something... I like to do. (laughs) So when you say
0: you won't back them, like you're not going to back them up or you're not going to get on them? Oh, no,
1: I'm not going to get on them. I'm not going to get on their back. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little confusing. Yeah, I'm not going to swing a leg over on a horse that is anxious. Um, There's already too many other risks that I take in my job of cold starting and riding young horses that if I have anxiety going on, I'm going to be relying much more on a horse's instinct than I am on their brain on their ability to think and problem solve. So I need them in a good mental state before I will ever, ever swing a leg over. So some of my points that I'm going to bring up have a little bit more to do with, say, cult starting, because that's my background. (laughs) Um, But also things that I'll use with, like, my personal horse, Freya, um, that I've had for years. And So relaxed is a big one. That's the biggest, in my opinion, is to have a horse that knows how to relax and can go from relaxed into responsive into relaxed um, and move back and forth between them um, versus a horse that can be relaxed at a standstill but then as soon as you get them moving they're like (laughs) Um, and then they don't know how to calm down for 20 minutes Um, so I want a horse that's that's also forward which is my other thing we have relaxed and I have a horse that is forward but not just forward like go 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 Um, but responsive forward. So in other words, they are not in a flight response. They are still in their thinking brain while they are forward. So willing forward movement, not reactive movement. Um, So in other words, I'm not going to have to smack a whip at them 10 times to get them to go. And then all of a sudden they're going to lurch forward and run 20 laps. Um, That's not the kind of forward I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I can easily just give one little kiss noise and, boom, off they go into a nice lifted canter. Um, So that's another thing is I need a horse that can be forward without being in flight. So that's another big one for me. And then one of the other big things, which goes along with pretty much everything you said is a horse that's willing. Willing to be caught, willing to be saddled, willing to be cinched, willing to have their feet handled. Um, And anytime we meet resistance in those areas, we work through it, we figure out why they're resisting, and we get them to be willing. Um, so that kind of encompasses a lot of what you said there. Um, and then the other one, again, it's this kind of goes a little bit along with what you were saying is a horse that is focused. So that means if I'm leading them and their brain is like, oh, squirrel, oh, look at the daisies over here. Oh, look, like there's a <laughs> tra-la-la, like <laughs> not paying attention to you. Um, I, we need to work on that before I get on to, because I don't want a horse seeing something and deciding they need to run across the, the arena when they see their horse coming out of his stall, you know, and, um, and just not, not focusing on me at all. I I need to have a horse that's going to be able to have their brain, brain come back to me. And with that being said, you know, when I start colts. They're not focused on me 100% of the time, especially these two-year-olds. They have their little squirrel brains where they're like, oh, distraction. Um, but their ability to shift their focus and bring it back to me when I ask for it, that's what I'm talking about, is when their their focus shifts, they get a have a distraction, then I'm able to pick up on the rain, snap my fingers, pop my lips a little bit, make a noise, and they're going to check back in with me and say, oh, hey, Camry and realize that i exist Um, because it's those horses that get so uh, unfocused and and distracted with other things and then their ears just laser laser in on that new thing and then i can't get them back i try and pick up on a rein bring something bring their focus back to me and they can't that's when they bolt buck rear (laughs) do all the scary things so those are my big checkpoints there is being relaxed, being willing, being forward and being focused.
0: So. Yeah, I like that. So with that checklist, is that your checklist um because like obviously some of that checklist you're like you're on the horse already. So is that your checklist before you take the horse out to to another point before before they go home? Um so all of this
1: is can be done on the ground. Um so this is all stuff you can do under saddle as well. Um, but it's, it's the stuff that I'm going to come back to anytime I lose any of these things, I'm going to come back to them before I work on any of the other skills, you know? So if I'm working on like shoulder yields or hip yields or, um, side passing or other things, and then all of a sudden my horse gets to where they have no forward movement and they're just planting their feet and getting really sticky, then guess what? I am going to drop that exercise for a few minutes. We are going to work on forward. We're going to go get some forward movement. And then we're going to go back to working on that other exercise. But if I lose forward, I'm going to come back to it. And same with on the ground like if say it's leading instead of being under saddle. You know, if you if they're sticky and they're they're hanging back and trying to lean on the lead rope and they don't have that forward responsiveness to lead with you, we're going to get that forward. You know, we're going to teach them how to move forward off of that lead rope and how to move with energy with me. So it's, it's everything from groundwork up into saddle work.
0: Okay. I like that. I like that distinction. I was getting a little confused. I think with some of the, um, like, like when you were talking about cantering them or or something, I was like, okay, so you're on the horse. So so oh, well,
1: and with, positive. with the candering as well, like a lot of that is on the ground first. I do a lot of groundwork. I do ground driving. I do um, free lunging. I do lunging on a lunge line. Um, and I teach a lot of balance and mental balance as well, mental stability. And again, that like relaxed into responsive into relaxed. I do all of that on the ground first before I ever get on them. Uh, because like I said I take a lot of risks in my job as it is (laughs) I do not need to be riding a horse that's going to injure me so 100% (laughs)
0: no I love that and I love um I love all of like just your explanation for how you're going into like all of your training processes as well and how that all comes together before you're even gonna going to get on and you're making that part of what you're checking off too even with your personal riding horses I like it cool well should we get into where we need to be before we get on our horses and subject (laughs) our horses to ourselves
1: (laughs) (laughs) the harder part of this equation
0: (laughs) no seriously but is the hardest part of the equation (laughs) Um, my list again it comes from just the last couple of years as I've been pushing myself past my own limits and realizing like it was not serving me and it ended up in in some some things so the first one on my list is making sure that whatever's going on in your life the stressors you have on your life that you are truly managing those stressors i had a lot of points in the last two years where there was a lot going on in my life a lot of things that were causing a lot of big issues and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and I didn't manage them well. And I was kind of doing the same thing like I was talking before where I was just pushing through all of the motions and just going through all the motions and just pushing it down and pushing it down and going, it'll get better eventually, it'll get better eventually. Well, it didn't get better eventually. <laughs> and what I noticed is that's that's truly what built up the stress and the anxiety and the fear that all of a sudden I had. Um, it wasn't anything that the horses did. It wasn't anything that I had going on with them. It was just life and my unwillingness to manage what was going on in my life. Um, so I think it is really important to take stock of that and go, okay, is, is my life stress manageable? And if it's not, what do I need to do to get it to that point? Like check in with yourself. Cause that's a lot of pressure you're putting on your horse. When you step into that session with your horse and you are, you know, over a 10 in stress levels and you are coming in with a lot of baggage most of us I don't know about you expect our horses to be our stress reliever right that's that's we're coming in going oh well there this is how I stress manage and it's still how I stress manage like riding is a big part of how I manage my stress but my horse is not responsible for my stress our partnership together does relieve it and does help me and does help me f- feel fulfilled, but my horse is not responsible for it. And when we make our horses responsible for it, that's when we push past these things and we stop listening and we stop noticing what's going on. Um, so that's the top of my list is if my life stress isn't manageable, then my riding needs to look different. And the way that I am having my relationship with my horse needs to look different. Like instead of going out and trying out all these new maneuvers or, or shooting for something big that's going to cause us both more stress. Maybe it needs to look like, hey, we're going to focus on what what I need to come down and what we can do together, so I can come down and not put all of this pressure on whatever horse it is that I'm riding. What do you think, Camry?
1: Yeah, I think it's easier said than done, too. Um, it's looking inward is hard. And also trying to slow down and take all the steps you need to, to learn to manage stress is hard because it's, (laughs) we say it as though it's one step, right? (laughs) Stress management, like fix that next. (laughs) But it's, there's a lot of steps to it. There's working on a little bit at a time until you can manage everything you want to manage or need to manage Um, and so it's there's a lot of things that go into stress management and so many different techniques you can use and um, so it's it's it sounds like such a
0: small thing
1: (laughs) but it's it's a lot of little things lots of little things that all add up
0: oh for sure and for like for me for the pre-write checklist when I'm thinking about life stress It doesn't have to be zero because it's probably never going to be zero. We're all going to be a little bit stressed in some way or another. It's more looking at that and going, okay, if what's going through my head and what's going on in my life right now is so distracting to me that I can't give and fully release that enough in my session, then it's just not fair for me to expect a lot out of my session, you know, or a lot out of my horse. So It's not so much like saying, okay, get rid of your stress. It's more just like, notice it. Where are you at? What is realistic? And if you are at a 10 where you cannot take your mind off of what's going on, then it's not safe to ride. It just isn't. It's not safe to ride. You're not going to be able to react the way that you need to react. You're not going to be able to respond the way that you need to respond. You're not going to be able to listen to your horse the way that they deserve to be listened to. So instead, Keep it on the ground. Like, I'm not saying don't work with your horse, but, you know, do some do some stress relieving activities with them instead of ride if you are that stressed out and if there's that much going on in your life.
1: Um. Yeah, well, and I liked that because really the key distinction there is it's not get rid of stress, it's manage stress. And that's the key is it's stress management, not stress get rid of <laughs> whatever the word would be for that <laughs> just get rid of i like
0: that well we're just going to keep that one <laughs> um, and then what goes along with that so the the second part of my personal pre-ride checklist is are my emotions under control you know am i coming in and am i super mad about something can I handle that? Like we talked, we talked about in our intro shark week, you know, when I'm on my period, things tend to stress me out a little bit faster than normal where, you know, I can, I normally have a pretty good threshold, but when I'm on my period, I tend to jump up pretty fast. And that's something that I notice. And so when I'm on my period, I am very aware of like, what is going on, how, like, if my horse reacts this way, am I going to be able to calmly, deal with the situation. And if I'm not, I'm not going to ride. Like it just, it's not fair to my horse to put them into that situation when I can't manage my own, <laughs> my own emotions to then try to make them manage theirs. Cause that's what it becomes To It becomes a make them versus a help them when I'm in that state. Um, too, like if you are really distraught, really grief stricken, another time when your responses are not going to be in the best of places, and riding may not be the best choice, you know, or if you do ride, make sure it's in a really safe and in a place where your horse can, can get the release too. Cause your horses do take on a lot for you, right? Like they, they do, they feel that they feel your emotions, they feel what's going on and they will take on some of that. And so just making sure you're, you're really realizing that. And you're at least putting yourself in a situation where you both can get that release. Um, Yeah. So one thing that I like to do,
1: especially like like we were just talking with grief, um, is to get on and just walk. Uh, especially bareback. I trust my mirror like crazy bareback. Um, but I just I can feel her better that way. And then it just becomes just being together. But it's I, I like a way of referring to it as like migration mode. Like we're just walking around we're just hanging out. I'm checking in with her, seeing how she feels. I'm releasing any emotions I need to release. Like if I need to cry while I'm sitting there riding her, whatever. Um, Especially like right after my mom passed a few years ago, you know, it's sometimes that's just all you need to do is just cry in front of them, you know, (laughs) and just sit and walk. You know, you don't need to trot. You don't need to lope. You don't need to do that. Um, And so that was one of my favorite ways to still you know, have her give me that healing energy by being around her, but not dumping expectation in with the grief of like, we also need to do this, 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 and this, and this. And then I'm going to be feeling very raw while we're doing it. And, and then the horse gets frustrated, which then makes you feel worse. Um, so yeah, especially with like fresh grief like that, just walk around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. One of my favorite things when I was struggling too, is getting my vaulting horse out, putting him in the arena where it was safe and just doing some like vaulting movements for just, you know, like you said, like migration mode, but movement, you know, just moving together and moving through the process together. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't put that expectation to go on a crazy trail ride or to run through new maneuvers or try out a different pattern. It's just, you need to respect the fact that you need to release that before you can, you can do more, right? Um, so the third thing is like physically, how am I? Am I super sore? Am I super stiff? Am I crampy? What's going on? Is my digestion good? I'm just going to notice those things because if I am extremely stiff and sore or extremely crampy, I don't ride well. I, I can't hold myself as good. And that's not fair to my horse to expect her to perform at this level when I can't perform at that level, right? So I'm going to pay attention to that. And if I am super extra stiff and sore, I'm going to do a little bit more in my pre-ride warm up for myself. You know, getting my muscles limber, getting myself ready for movement. But I'm also going to be realistic about what I expect of her in my riding session. Like if I can't, if my, if my soreness, if my crampiness, if my digestion is not going to allow me to post because I, I do endurance. So if I can't post for eight miles, I'm not going to ask her to go eight miles. We're going to go, we're going to cut that in half, or we're going to focus on something else. Maybe we'll do a little bit more hill work and we'll go for walking instead. So being realistic about what my body can handle. So I don't end up getting in the way of her and harming her in the long run. Um, because when you can't hold yourself, you're going to make their backs or you're going to make their mouths sore you're going to, you know, they're, they're going to have to work 10 times harder to help you balance yourself. Um, so that's my third thing. I like that. Well, and that
1: just goes with like self-check-in, right? You know, check in with yourself <laughs> mentally, physically, all the checks. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if you notice anything off that it has to be a hard no. Like, nope, we're not going to ride today. Put the horse away just has to mean maybe you need to adapt something or maybe you need to work on something else first so it just yeah it doesn't mean just put the horse away
0: <laughs> no not all the time I mean there are times that probably putting the <laughs> horse away would be good but you should know you like know yourself and I would say like this this check-in for me happens before I even leave my house to go catch my horse right because then I can I can make that decision and go okay well the goals of today are going to change because of how I'm feeling And then with that in mind, I'm going to go out and, okay, is she easy to catch? Is she easy to lead? Is she easy to groom? Is she easy to saddle? And go from there, right? Um, So for me, I thought about putting, um, like, as part of my list, like, make sure I have a goal or something. But I left that off of my list personally, because if I go out and go, okay, here's my goal, I am someone who tends to get irritated if I can't get my goal met. <laughs> so I left that off of my list just because I want to actually focus a little bit more on myself being flexible with whatever's going on, where if my horse is hard to catch, I don't want to be mad because my goal was to go eight miles that day. I want to be able to be flexible enough that, you know what, this is what she needed and I'm going to focus on this and we can go eight miles tomorrow or or whatever. So that's, that's why that's off of mine because I did think about putting that one on mine originally um or like having having a target or having like a plan in place like I really I was like because that normally would be on my list (laughs) and I even have a space for it when I wrote it down here but as I thought about writing it down I was just like you know what actually that's a detriment to me right now with where I'm at because I I do too much going towards the plan and the and the goals um so yeah so those were the three that I felt like were most important for me and so when you do these, like, I? we're sharing these so you guys can kind of see what we are doing, right, and, like, how we've come across the process, but your list can look very different from ours. You know your horse, you know you better, so it doesn't have to look exactly like like our list, but hopefully this gives you some good ideas of things to watch out for.
1: Yeah, I like that. Everyone's, everyone's list is going to be different, so I kind of want to share my thoughts on, because I do have on my list to have a goal. Um, so my thoughts with this, with having a goal with your horse is you also have to be, you have to have a process to back up your goal. And I think that is the key because I am also very task oriented and it was like, you know, years ago when I first started, it was we get their hip doing this. We get their shoulder doing this. We do, we work on this, 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 and this. Um, and so those were more my goals was like, today we're going to work on this physical maneuver. Um, and now I've got a bit more of a complete, much more thorough process. So even though my goal is uh, like, you know, say our goal is to work on. Side passing. Okay. So if all of a sudden we're starting to work on side passing, but she's, when I pick up on the reins, she's bracing, right? So she's not coming into my hands. Um, Then me realizing, okay, then this other step that was earlier on in the process to get her to this goal of side passing, you know, yesterday or the day before her coming into my hands, was solid and was good but now that I'm adding in this new maneuver all of a sudden she's forgetting this previous step so me saying okay today's goal is side passing and then forgetting about this step that was three steps earlier or whatever you know however many steps if I don't go back to that and refresh that and make sure she's getting that before I carry on then I'm going to lose that piece and then she's going to start getting bracy on the bit and she's not gonna be coming into my hands um, and responding to it in that way. So I think that's why having that process is so important so that you know, okay, yes, the goal is to do this, but I'm not gonna be able to get a good side pass if she's bracing on my hands. So I have to go back to previous steps to get to the goal instead of just being like, oh, nope, we have to work on side passing and responding to this exact cue and forget all of the previous things we did. Or like if you're working on a horse and then guess what? They get destination addiction. And like this actually even happened to a client of mine that she had, she's been coming to lessons for me, with me for two years. And, and, uh, a few weeks ago, she had told me that her horse that had previously been very, very good at destination addiction type work, because we worked very heavily on it for the first several months. Um, and she's like, all of a sudden she was just gate sour again. And she hasn't been that way in months. And, and I was so proud of her because she took the time to work on it. Even though she went into the arena, wanting to have this goal of like working on poles or barrels or whatever other, she does a lot of different events and and team sorting and, and things and queening. Um, so she had these other goals, but she knew if I don't go back to this step, which is one of the very earliest steps destination addiction is um and but she was willing to do it and because that was part of the process to get her to her goal so that's kind of my take on that is to make sure that yes you have a goal but you're also flexible enough to know that if you need to go back a few steps in the process and fix previous steps that that's part of getting to your goal you know so a little bit of a different thought process on it there
0: (laughs) No, I like it. I like it. And it's not like I go into my writing sessions with no goal, because obviously I've got yeah. goals and I've got processes. Um, but for me, I've just noticed it's like, I get really intense on that goal sometimes. And so instead of like saying, well, if, you know, we're dude, this is what we're doing today, it works a lot better for me to be like, well, this is the plan, you know, <laughs> and be like, a little bit more like, oh, yeah, this is the plan. We'll see what happens. Um, has been helpful lately, because yeah, there's been quite a few condition rides I've had lately where they have not gone as planned, where we have not been able to do what I wanted to do. And in the past, it would have really like stressed me out. You know, it would have caused more stress because it's like, oh my gosh, but you know, are we going to be where we need to be? And is this going to happen? And instead just trying to really appreciate just being in the moment with my horse and like, yes, we do have these goals, but you know, no matter what, we're still going to do them. Might look differently than what I'm hoping, but we'll get it done. Um, so I, yeah, I like it. I like it. You yeah, want to go through um, your other list? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just oh, yeah. oh no. I
1: was just thinking of a, a client horse here that's in training and speaking of, you know, being adaptable and changing things up. Um, he's pretty well desensitized and, but every once in a while he gets jumpy when he first came, he was a little bit you know, fidgety and a little bit looky and would have a few jumps, but he had, we'd worked him through all of that. He's been great. So we were planning to work on mechanical things that day with uh, me and my assistant, Gabby. And, um, but he was like twitchy and and flinchy again. We're like, "Whoa, what in the world is going on? Oh, duh. As we both had the realization that the night before was the 4th of July. (laughs) So he heard all these fireworks going probably half of the night and he was stuck in a stall through the night, and we were working him first thing in the morning before he had turnout um, to kind of move through that and and let all of that out. And so then we were like, oh, <laughs> that's why he's acting this way. And then we were able to kind of help him let some of that movement out and and turn him out for a few minutes before we worked on other things. But it's, you know, just being able to adapt to that and realize that, you know, not every day is the same for them. You know, it's just like you. They're going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and and have things they need to work on that don't go according to your plan. But yeah, I don't know if anyone else that's listening has noticed that. But sometimes your horse, especially if you have a stalled horse, um, if they are in a stall and they have things like fireworks or something that they couldn't process through movement and go through the the trauma response of being able to move through it, then the next day they might be a bit fidgety so yeah keep in mind (laughs) yeah
0: i mean we all process process that kind of stuff through movement like even us
1: Mm -hmm. i like that so gotta love fourth of july (laughs) all the fireworks and the booms and the (laughs) we don't have to love the fireworks (laughs) i like fireworks from a distance i just don't want them by my house
0: (laughs) they're pretty Mm -hmm. I do like sitting up on the mountains and watching them like in the valley. That's about the only time I really like fireworks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will jump into a couple of the other things on my list. So the one which I kind of jumped into just because it uh, was applicable to what you were talking about, which was to have a goal and a process, but also be willing to be flexible with how you need to reach that goal, you know, taking steps back. So that was one of my big ones. Um, And then just like with the horse, like being focused and present and not having your mind off in la-la land, either thinking about the daisies or thinking about all the thousand other things you have to do that day, um, you need to bring your brain to your horse or you're not gonna be doing you or your horse any favors if your brain is off somewhere else. So just being able to focus on the task at hand and make sure you're present and with your horse is a big, big one. Um, And then having your toolbox. So this is a huge one for confidence building, for getting over fear, is knowing that you have all the skills that you're going to need to have to deal with your horse that day, right? So whether you have an anxious horse and you need to help your horse through their anxiety, do you have your toolbox ready of different maneuvers you can do, different tactics you can try, different exercises and things, do you have the skill set that you need to be able to work with the specific horse you are working with that day, whether it's your horse, a client's horse, um, anything else? Because a lot of times that's where accidents happen is you have a horse that's a lot of people will call it like too much horse for you, right? In other words, what your horse needs help with, you don't have a full toolbox for that yet. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't still have good skills in one area or in different areas, but certain horses are gonna require some specialty tools. <laughs> they are gonna require something a little bit unique or a little bit, a few more years of experience, um, different tactics and things, and just different instincts, you know, split second instincts where you're gonna be able to handle if a horse decides to start bucking or if a horse, you know, has any of those type of reactions if you don't have the correct balance physically, if you don't have those split second instincts to be able to help pull that horse around and help them come back into a better mindset, uh, you're probably going to come off your horse, which is then going to destroy your confidence. It's going to scare your horse. Um, and so just knowing what tools you have and being willing to admit when you don't have enough. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all, have had you know I started with like one tool in my toolbox (laughs) okay let me say this I started with no tools in my toolbox okay I had confidence that's it (laughs) I had confidence um but then you just you know you start adding more and more and more and then, then the more horses you ride the more adaptable you become and then the more you ride the more you just have those instincts of being able to make decisions in a split second moment um And then the more trainers you follow, the more techniques you see, the more horses you've worked with. You know, I've worked with several hundred um, starting lots of different horses. And so I have worked with ones that are different breeds, different temperaments, um, and they all have their own quirks. So there's a lot of different things I've learned through all of that. And now I still have way a lot more to go. Um, But yeah, just having that toolbox, you might even need three or four toolboxes. So that's a big thing to know when you've got a little too much on your hands.
0: I like that. And I feel like if you are unsure, because somebody who has a lot of anxiety or is truly coming in and not sure, or a little scared, if you are unsure, if you've got that, a good way to see that is physically talk to yourself about it, like walk through, okay, if he does this, if he rears again, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to do a b c d. And if you can't if you can't say that out loud and you the answer is I don't know then okay that's a tool you do not have and that's when you need to reach out and say hey you know Camry or Michaela or whoever you know that you trust I've got this problem can you teach me the tools to handle it right? Um but if you're unsure it can be really helpful to just walk yourself through it very logically and be like okay here's, here's what I do have. Cause if somebody with anxiety, you may have all the tools, but it doesn't really matter. Like you can, you can still talk yourself out and go, I don't know if I can handle this, but if you can logically like say, no, here's exactly how I would do. Like as if you're teaching somebody to do it yourself, that can solidify that confidence. And that can really help lower your anxiety walking into the situation as well.
1: I still do that with every first ride as I talk myself through it because of how much anxiety I had to work through and fear that I had about first rides. I still every first ride talk myself through, you know, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. And now a key with that is <laughs> you have to be able to be prepared without projecting what you don't want. So if you are like, say I was doing a first ride on horse. I would talk myself through and be like, okay, if they bolt, this is what I'm going to do. If they, you know, get nervous, this is what I'm going to do. If, if when we get to this step in this process, if anything happens, this is what I'm going to do. But if I sit there and go, they're going to buck, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. No, no, no. We're not talking about be in the moment of like, if that thing's going to happen, just means know you have the skills, be prepared to use them if you need them. But have a smile on your face, have a positive attitude about what's going to happen. Cause that's what helps me is just being like, Hey, like I'm just here with you. This horse is walking around. Great. Um, and every first ride that I help, a, a one of my assistants with, um, it takes a while before I allow my assistants to do first rides. <laughs> I have to trust them a lot. <laughs> um, but I've been helping Gabby do some these last couple of months and, we just talk through it and before she even swings a leg over, I say, okay, if this happens, I'm going to be in the middle. She, you're going to be on the horse and this is what you're, we're going to do together. Um, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen because we've prepared the horse as well. And it's rare that they do go into bucking, but horses are horses, they're animals, and sometimes they're unpredictable. Um, and so I do always, every time, go over just in case this is what we're going to do. And rarely do we need to use it. So... But yeah, you need to need to have a plan (laughs) because horses are horses.
0: Yep. And you you can do all the preparation in the world (laughs) and still. Well, hopefully this helps some of you guys just kind of think about your own pre-ride checklist for yourself and your horse. And heck, we would love to hear what you come up with. So feel free to share (laughs) if you come up with anything. Um. And as always, let us know if you've got any questions. You can email us, check out some of our other episodes. And if you like us, we would love love it if you left us a review or a comment telling us what you enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Michaela. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.